So you guys have sheep out on public right now? Yep, we are. We run our range herds on public land year round. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So that really kind of <laughs> illustrates the need for dogs. <laughs> All of that. Yes. <laughs> yes. My first time. So when we had a bunch of guys leave us, my first year back from college, I got sent out to watch the drop herd by myself. And um, Dave, my uncle, he said, no dogs. Like, don't have dogs out with the lambing sheep, right? So I went my first day without a dog. And I could not. Those sheep had zero respect for me on a horse. Like, (laughs) I would go, I mean, it's 1,600 ewes. I mean, they're they're spread out over a decent piece of ground. Like, they're spread out pretty good. And so I would try to be taking them in a general direction. Well, it would take me, I had to go back and forth constantly. The second I would leave where I just was, they would just stop. Or I was with the old herd, so they're kind of unreal bitches, and they would just go <laughs> off in another direction. Like, I could not do anything with them. Uh-huh. And I was so frustrated. I'm I like, bet. I will never do this without a dog again. Yeah. So the next day, I got my dog. Well, it was kind of hard because she had just had her first litter of pups. And <laughs> they were... I don't, they were young. They were like two weeks old, maybe. So I had my sister, she was at home, and I had her gather all my stuff. I was like, okay, I need some more stuff. I'm going to put the puppies in the pickup, and (laughs) they'll just hang out there all day while I'm using Via. And (laughs) yeah, I took Via, and it made a world of difference. Like, I was like, I will never do this without a dog. No one in my family has ever had a good dog. Oh, really? And so, yes. And so after having a good dog, I'm, I don't understand how, I don't even know how to work without my dog anymore. <laughs> like, if I have to leave her home for whatever reason, I literally feel, like, naked or <laughs> empty, you know? Like, I'm like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> how do I work these sheep without Mia? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can relate, <laughs> for sure. Hi, I'm BJ with Taste of the Wind, based out of Centennial, Wyoming. We're in the southeast corner of the state, and we raise locally and ethically grown pork, lamb, chicken, and eggs. And we work with a bunch of other local producers to offer a plethora of different products that are also locally and ethically raised. I'm here for episode five of the Taste of the Wind podcast with Marie McLaren of Julian Land and Livestock out of Kemmer, Wyoming. We're talking about working dogs today. And by that, I mean border collies that herd sheep and cattle and livestock guardian dogs, mostly um, Great Pyrenees, Akbosh, and there's one more in there that I'm forgetting, but we'll get to that in the episode. There are a couple things I want to mention before we get into the episode because there's some terminology that Marie uses that you may not be familiar with. You can see what a lot of the things she's talking about look like and mean on her website. She has a blog called A Sheep Herder's Story. You can find that at asheepherderstory.com and there's awesome pictures and stories on her blog and she's constantly adding to it so check make sure to check that out um i wanted to let you guys know that we talk about another rancher by the name of cat herbicite she is pretty dang well known for raising livestock guardian dogs on a huge sheep ranch not too far from where marie and her family are um so you can check out cat herbicite's work she is an editor a writer and uh, has awesome photos of her dogs on the internet. She's published a couple books that are fantastic. And so you can search her. She is Kat Urbikite, and you spell her last name U-R-B-I-G-K-I-T. Um, a couple other things that we talk about in this episode. Bum lambs are lambs that have 
been abandoned by their mother or don't have a mother for some reason. So they've been adopted by the rancher crew so that the lamb can thrive again. So that's what a bum lamb means. Um, a smut face sheep is a crossbreed. So often these large sheep ranches in Wyoming cross a wool breed with a meat breed. Um, so a smut face is that cross. Marie's family started running livestock guardian dogs with their herds in the 80s. Um, in the summers before that, their death loss was around 10%. So with the number of sheep that they're running, that's a thousand dead sheep just in one summer, according to Marie's grandmother. And uh, after introducing dogs to their operation, their uh, their predator loss is only around 50 head. So that's a pretty amazing effect that these dogs have had for this family. I'll also try to include some photos and um, some links explaining some of the things we talk about. Uh, there's some equipment that we talk about at the end. I left that out of the main episode because it's kind of chatter back and forth just the two of us catching up and me asking some questions about their large-scale sheep operation it doesn't have much about working dogs in it so if you want to hear more about how the operation runs and what's involved you can stay tuned after that last bit of music um, and there will be a little more conversation about sheep ranching in Kemmer, Wyoming after that I did want to add that Taste of the Wind sources are Livestock Guardian Dogs and are herding dogs from Julian Land and Livestock and we've been so happy with those dogs. Oh my gosh, we've we've sourced a couple Livestock Guardian dogs from them over the past couple of years and my dog Pip, who you can see on my social media quite often is actually one of Via's pups from I believe what, what was her first litter. So I've been super happy with Pip. She's the best uh, herding dog I've ever had the best one I've ever been able to work with don't tell Jameson I said that but uh, yeah we love the Julian's dogs they're great so I hope you enjoy this episode and I will talk to you guys again at the end If you wouldn't mind starting out with a little bit about how you, I mean, this is kind of a silly question since you're fifth generation, but how did you get into ranching and raising stock dogs? So my, my great, great grandpa came over from England in the late 1800s. And that's kind of when we started raising sheep and then it just kept growing from there and my grandpa built it into the operation it is now of 10,000 sheep and Julian Land and livestock as it is and so I've just I was just raised into it and grew up working for the ranch my whole life and no one ever had good dogs, like I said before, and <laughs> I just was given Via, my good dog, and I didn't know anything about training dogs or anything. I worked for Callie and Laramie with the sheep farm at the school, and she kind of showed me a few things, and that's kind of when I trained Via, and she just turned into this amazing dog that could do anything and <laughs> after working with her I didn't even know how to work without a dog and <laughs> it just kind of like built this passion within me to like raise and use the dogs on the ranch and my mom kept a pup out of via this last litter so did Jim my stepdad and I just like want everyone on the ranch to have really good dogs now because yeah. <laughs> it makes your life so much easier <laughs> So when you said the school, you meant the University of Wyoming Sheep Farm, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And Callie was the gal who's managing the sheep farm at the time? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and she probably helped me the most with training Zia. And beyond that, I 
knew absolutely nothing. I didn't know anything about come by or away. I just used the left and right. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's nothing fancy, but we can get anything done. Yeah, that's pretty great. So where did Via come from? She came from a cattle rancher actually over in Randolph, Utah. An ex-boyfriend of mine just gave her to me. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about her breeding or anything of what she was going to be like. I knew nothing going into it, but wow, yeah, she turned out to be It's a pretty good present from an ex. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guess you'll do something. <laughs> That's awesome. So what breed is Via, and what other breeds do you work with and raise? So Via is Border Collie Kelpie. She has a quarter Kelpie. And then um, on the ranch, we have about 40 Border Collie dogs that we raise, and our sheep herders use them year-round to herd the and then we also have about 40, give or take, guard dogs that are mostly Pyrenees. And we have some Anatolian and Akbosh thrown in there. Is there any, do you have any preference in breed or do they all do a pretty good job? Um, honestly, I don't know enough about like the Kelpie breed to say if I prefer one over the other, and Via's a quarter Kelpie, I feel like it gives, it's more aggressive than just a straight Border Collie with the Kelpie in there. Um, a lot of our Border Collies are more timid towards cows, for example, and Via has never shied away from anything a day in her life. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's from the Kelpie, I'm assuming, because I think they're a more aggressive breed, but... Um, the Border Collies are extremely smart and, like, just supernatural herding abilities to where, I mean, they're in, they're a good herding dog to have and have a lot of stamina to work long days. That's super important on the ranch. Yeah. Also. I've, but. I've heard Border Collies compared in intelligence to five-year-old humans, but I think that's kind of a silly comparison because you couldn't see a five-year-old doing what a border collie can do. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems weird. <laughs> um, so, as far as the guard dogs, has your family always had peers, or is it kind of shifted over the years? Do you know? We actually haven't always had guard dogs. My grandpa, and I couldn't tell you when we started getting dogs, guard dogs, but I know, like, in the early years, I remember hearing someone talking about not having them. And um, so I don't really know what we originally got. Probably Pyrenees, because that's what everything primarily is that we have, yeah. I'm assuming. That's probably what we got. Um, the Anatolian and Akbosh seem more aggressive from the ones that I've been around versus the Pyrenees, but the Pyrenees are super good to stay with the sheep and do just as good a job, job guarding them, you know. Yeah. Um, I've actually read that Pyrenees are less likely to like go after a coyote and like pick a fight versus like an Akbosh. Um, but I've never seen a guard dog go after a coyote anyway, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they do it kind of uh, secretively. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I have seen them. Um, I was out when I was out with the herd one time. It was in the evening and there was I heard coyotes howling. They were pretty close. And all the guard dogs took off running and barking towards the coyotes. So I don't know if they ever ended up with one or not, but huh. I did see that. <laughs> wow. Well, it's cool to see them doing their job anyway, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So for folks who have never 
there's probably some people who are going to listen to this and and think, what are they even talking about? Like, what's the difference between a guard dog and a border collie? So could you give us a basic summary of the tasks you use these different dogs for? Like, what, what job does each kind of dog have on your place? So the border collies and the herding dogs, they help you move the sheep. So getting them from point A to point B, sheep or cattle, I guess. But um, like if there's a straggler bunch or whatever, we can send the dogs over there. If there's some higher up, grazing up higher up on the hill and we're down towards the bottom, like we can send the dogs up there to bring them with the rest of the herd or keep everything together or um i use actually quite a few of the herders do too but we use the dogs to help us rope ewes or lambs like when they're off when they're takeoff running um the dogs will help slow them down or bring them back towards us so they don't get too far away from us um a few of the guys and then my border collie male they'll um they have dogs that'll like the small lamb they can grab them and bring them down well once the lamb is down they're in like hide mode like you know have you ever seen a baby deer where they just like hide down and they don't move yeah the lambs will do that same thing and the dog will kind of hold them down to, until you can jump off your horse and get there to them okay so that's super helpful yeah <laughs> wow um, <laughs> Yeah, the lambs are very hard to rope, and so if you have a dog that can pull them down for you or circle them back around to you, it really helps. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then the guard dogs don't herd the sheep. They guard them, so they are with them 24-7, day and night. They stay out there with the herd um, and just don't let anything come into the herd, I guess. Or, like, if they hear coyotes, they'll go off and try to get them. Or a lot of them, a lot of the dogs will, like, make perimeter loops outside the herd. Like, some of the dogs will stay right with the sheep all the time, and then some of the dogs will kind of go out more and adventure to see what's out there, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And try to keep it from coming to the herd. Is that something you have to select individuals for or do any sort of training or do they just kind of have their own language going on? How do they decide which dogs go out and work the perimeter and which ones stay with the sheep? I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um just the personality of the dog, I guess. And, um, I think the females generally stay right with the sheep more so than the males. I think the males like to wander and check out their perimeter more so than the females. Um, from what I've noticed, but, a lot of it is probably the personality of the dog or the breeding, like if they have some other breeds mixed in there that are more likely to go out and looking for a fight, you know, they might be the ones that are kind of the perimeter dogs. What kind of acreage are you guys covering? How an estimate of how far these dogs are going every day? So, like, when we're on the trail to or from like lambing range, mountains, and then the mountains back down to where we have them in the fall and then where we take them for the winter. Like we usually go about five miles a day. I bet that takes all day long with that big of a group. Yeah, and like with the baby lambs in the spring, taking them up to the forest allotment, they try to make five miles, but then... When we don't have lambs on them, they might go more. I don't know, I guess, exactly, but... Nobody's standing out there with a pedometer tracking how far everyone's gone. <laughs> no. <laughs> we do move the 
sheep camps every day, though, with the herd. Wow. Um, so I've never checked, I guess. Next time I will. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I know what you're talking about, but for people who maybe don't know what a sheep camp is, can you describe that briefly? So it's a rounded, round-topped metal um, house on wheels, I guess. <laughs> the original tiny house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if anyone's ever read a book about sheep herding of the past or seen old metal wagons or anything back in an old history book that's pretty much what they still look like yeah that's <laughs> um but so you just walk in the door it has a door on one side and then there's a stove and benches along the walls and then a bed in the back and then a pull-out table from under the bed and it's pretty small but it's pretty cozy do people live in those all year round? So they live in them during the spring, winter, and fall. In the summer, when they're up on the forest, they live in tents, in canvas wall tents. It's too steep up there to get the camps everywhere that they camp, and so they pack their tents on their horses to each camp spot. Throughout okay. the summer. That makes sense. I was wondering how you guys get those camps up there. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think your family made the switch? I mean, we, we heard a little bit about why you made the switch over to um, stock dogs like Via. But why did your family make that switch over to having the guard dogs with the sheep when they didn't have them before? Probably just because the coyotes kill so bad on the sheep and... I'm sure guard dogs were a newer thing at this point. I mean, it was when my grandpa was kind of building up the operation and stuff. So that, I guess I don't know when guard dogs started to be a big thing. But, um, yeah, the coyotes are just so, so hard on sheep. And yeah. so the guard dogs sure help with that. They don't eliminate it, but they definitely help it. Do you have any idea what your losses to predators are every year? If I looked at the book where my mom writes it down, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but you would say it's significantly it's, lower than <laughs> if you didn't have the guard dogs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't imagine if we just had a herd of sheep out in the range without a dog out there at least barking at a coyote coming in. <laughs> yeah. It'd just be like a smorgasbord for <laughs> for predators. Oh, look at these yeah. tasty things. And <laughs> 9,000 of them, too. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, they're not all together, but yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys deal with wolves out there, too? You know, we haven't had a lot of wolves come into our country yet we last year for the past two years there's been starting people have been starting to spot wolves um we actually did have wolf problems with our yearling herd last year mm -hmm. but our other herds and prior to that we have not had significant problems yet i'm sure they are coming but yeah, we've kind of been on the outskirts of the wolf area, but, yeah, they're moving in for sure. Are you guys trying to adjust your strategy for that, or are you just kind of waiting to see how it goes and then try from there? Well, I actually did. I got a pup from Cat Herbicate mm -hmm. that is more aggressive bloodlines. I told my mom, I was like, we have to start breeding some more aggressive 
guard dogs if we're going to start having wolves coming into our country. So I got a pup from her in hopes that we could start getting a little more aggressive dogs. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully that helps. No. <laughs> yeah. What kind of things do you have to do to take care of those dogs? Well, you said they're out with the sheep 24-7, right? Yep. Um, we feed them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they get their they get their puppy shots, you know, and we have um It's hard to have them out with the herds when they have pups because those guys are always moving and whatnot. So we try to bring them into the ranch when they have pups, and we'll give them their first two rounds of puppy shots before sending them out. And then, yep, beyond that, the we go through pallets and pallets and pallets of dog food a year, <laughs> and <laughs> we uh, so the guys will either take dog food out to the herd with them and put dog food out there, or a lot of the dogs will just come into camp and get a bite to eat and then head back out to the sheep. So, so they they learn the system pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, they do. Is and it, then when the when the guys want to feed them, they're all called Wiki. I don't know if it's a Peruvian name or where it came from, but they call Wiki Wiki Wiki. Oh, really? And the white held at that dinner time, and they come. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna start saying that to my dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, do you guys have to do any sort of training, or how do you set these dogs up from the day they're born to do a good job at what they do? So, we always have sheep around the ranch, and so from the time those puppies have their eyes open, they're with the sheep, and we just raise them with the sheep, um, until they're old enough to be taken out to the big herds and that's about that's about it you just get them bonded with those sheep and teach them that that's what they love and that's what they're guarding and they do a good job after that so what about the herding dogs what do you do for those dogs to set them up to be good sheep moving dogs because it's not it doesn't seem like the same relationship to me, they don't love their sheep the same way that the guard dogs love their sheep. <laughs> yeah, they love to move them and hurt them. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, I think the most important thing that you can teach a herding dog is how to down. My down word is sit, but a lot of people say lay down or down or anything to just stop them. Yeah. Because you get them out there in big country and far ways from you and there's a lot of stuff going on or whatever. If you can just down that dog, whether you just need to regain control of them or if everything's moving how it should be and you just want to stop them, slow it down, whatever. Um, and you can, you can teach them that as soon as you get them pretty much it six to eight weeks old, just start teaching them how to sit, how to stay. Um, I think that's super important. Teach them their directions. Like I said, my family has never had dogs that knew how to come by or away or left or right or get around or anything. No no one's ever known any of that, which kind of surprises me. Yeah. Actually, we've raised our whole life and we've never had a dog that can do that. But um, no, teaching them their directions is super helpful and so you can send them gosh I can send my dogs in any direction I want them to go to yeah. get cheap up or cows out of the willows or anything and it's yeah just teach them their directions um can you explain the directions a little bit for people who maybe they've never heard of come by or away before one way that I learned that like, because I didn't understand the concept. Like, what the what the heck is "come by" supposed to mean? And somebody 
told me that come by is going clockwise and away is going counterclockwise around the group. Mm-hmm. Is that, would you agree with that? I honestly don't know on combined waves, but for me, I use left and right. Okay. And left, left is clockwise, and then right is counterclockwise. So basically, it's the, the direction they start off going around the group from you. Right. So you say yep. left, and they take off going left from you and they'll come all the way around the back of the group of livestock until you tell them to stop and go the other way or lie down or (laughs) you with you do you have a command like they're supposed to just keep going around until you tell them to stop or i know different people have different expectations so yeah um i am no professional at training dogs by any means. <laughs> I know little to nothing about training them, and <laughs> I will tell anybody that, yeah, I'm not a dog trainer, but I somehow got Via to know how to go in every direction and take a sheep or a cow or a bunch of them or anything wherever I want her to take them. So yeah, I don't really know. Um like the correct commands or specific commands or I have a friend that's a really good dog trainer actually that helps me quite a bit and she's like you should you should teach her how to do this or teach her this command and I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about I need to look into this more (laughs) you need to keep teaching me so I tell her all the time I'm like because I go over there and I'm like I need your help I need you to show me how to train these dogs she just looks at me, she's like, you're crazy, like, your dog's incredible, what do you need help with? <laughs> I'm like, well, he doesn't need help, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about training the trainer, not training the dog. <laughs> yes, you're training me <laughs> to know how to train the next one, because I'm sure they're not all as, e- as easy to train as Bia was. <laughs> yeah. So. So, this is kind of a switch of topic, but... Do any of the dogs end up in your house at any time? Or are they all, like, strictly outside dogs? Via is a princess. <laughs> and she is in the house right now as we speak. She literally is wherever I am. If I go to the bathroom, she goes to the bathroom. <laughs> and she sleeps in my bedroom with me. <laughs> no, she's... um. You could say she's spoiled, but <laughs> my male dog, for some reason, he doesn't like coming in my house, so he sleeps outside, oh. which is fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, all the dogs are, besides Princess Via, are outside dogs. Um, like the camp dogs, the Border Collie dogs that the sheep herders use, they'll, um, they'll sleep in the tent. Um, like under the guys' cots or whatever in the summer, they'll go in the wall tents. And I'm sure there's a couple guys that maybe let their dogs in the camp. I don't know. But otherwise, they sleep under the camp. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like we said, the guard dogs are out with the sheep 24-7. So they sleep out there in the sagebrush or whatever. But in the snow, they... They're so crazy that when it's so cold, they're like, this is the best. I love this. I know. They have plenty of hair to stay warm, oh, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> well, I brought my um, my bitch from Cat in the house to have her most recent litter, and she was dying. She's like, it's so hot in here. How am I supposed to survive? <laughs> <laughs> she's asking yeah. to go outside like every five minutes so. <laughs> yeah i don't think we've ever had a guard dog that has been inside of a house <laughs> yeah because you guys usually they um they have their pups out in the barn how does this how does that work yeah okay yep so actually we just had a litter of pups and she had them in the manger in the barn 
yeah, they were pretty funky in there. <laughs> yeah. And then they're exposed to the sheep right off the bat anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever have to take any of the dogs off the operation to do anything? Does Via come with you to run errands and stuff in town? Yeah. Um, my dogs don't like being left at the house, and so pretty much everywhere I go, they go. Mm-hmm. They just ride along, and they just hang out in the pickup while I'm in the grocery store or wherever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you ever consider using anything other than a dog for some of the jobs they do? Mm. No. <laughs> Have you ever had to? <laughs> Such as what? Uh, if you... Like, have you ever been in a situation where you don't have enough guard dogs or you don't have enough stock dogs? No, we um we have an abundance of dogs around here. I'm going to lie. <laughs> 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 um... No, that's the best thing about a dog is they're like another hired man. You could not afford to pay people to come and do the jobs that dogs do for the payment of dog food, you know? Yeah. I know some people who use burrows to help guard their flock. Yes, I've actually read about that and... I'm kind of interested in it and would kind of like to try it, but... I don't know how you'd... I don't know how it... How how they'd get along with the guard dogs, because they just hate dogs so much. (laughs) Yeah, and I know Kat uses some, and they're acclimated to the dogs, I guess. They know each other, but... um, Yeah, I don't know how they would do, like, with our range herds, where they're... They never get fed or anything out on the range, like, in the winter. I don't know. I guess burros are, like, a wild animal, that, like a wild horse or whatever that's out on the desert. So I guess they could graze out there with the sheep year-round, but I'm not sure. And they can, get, they can get fat on the crummiest feed. Those things are so tough. It's, I think, oh, really? Yeah, people worry about them foundering more than they worry about them starving. <laughs> Maybe we should look into getting burrows then. I just wonder, I mean, our 40-plus whatever dogs, I wonder how they would react to the burrows. I mean, they're used to horses, so I'm sure they would. They'd adjust. They'd adjust, yeah. Yeah, I have actually thought about, I have actually thought about using burrows or getting burrows or, it has been a thought of mine, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) But as far as replacing the stock dogs, I mean, gosh, they're a hired man plus a best friend plus cheap labor. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that kind of leads me to my next question. I was wondering, are there certain dogs and certain people that get along better than others? Are there like certain guard dogs that you know personally or? There was a guard dog pup that we raised here at the ranch who was just so fat all the time, and she <laughs> had a curly tail, and I named her um, Fatty Patty. <laughs> <laughs> and so I I would recognize her when I went out to the herd, you know, and love on her. We had a pup we got from another sheep operation, actually, and he kind of had, like, pink eyes they were kind of got a funny color we named him pinky i mean there's a few of them that you can pick out of the pick out of the bunch that they come up to and you recognize them and for the most part but there's a lot of those dogs i mean some of them are wild they don't let you pet them or touch them or get close to them or anything i mean there's quite a few of the older dogs that are like that, but then there's quite a few that I know they're ours, you know, if they were to get mixed with 
another herd, which happens quite often on the trail because there's, gosh, multiple different operations all trailing down to the, the same winter leaf and the dogs exchange herds all the time. And there are definitely some dogs that I recognize and know are ours, but there's a lot that I don't necessarily Um, (laughs) some dogs just feel like going and working for a different operation for a summer and (laughs) yeah if we don't recognize them and they end up with another operation we likely don't get them back i mean a lot of those dogs will bounce back and forth between operations or different ranch sheep ranchers you know um that we probably never know about but a lot of guys, they'll try to put, like, color code their guard dogs. Like, we try to put blue collars on. Mm-hmm. There's some guys that put these bright orange collars on. And there's some guys that put, like, a tag in the collar that say their name or whatever. But those dogs obviously lose their collars every now and then. So Yeah, and it's probably hard to get on a collar on a dog that won't let you touch them. Yeah. Yep. No, there's some that are definitely not marked in any way. and But as long as everyone has enough guard dogs, it doesn't really matter if they're with <laughs> another rancher our own. <laughs> we might get them back eventually or we might not. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> some of their dogs might come over to you. It's just a giant karma situation. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're probably, we're always exchanging dogs a little bit, but... <laughs> Keeps the genetics a little bit fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, but then as far as, like, the stock dogs, I personally prefer females. I mean, I haven't had a lot of dogs, but I feel like I just relate more to them or have more of a connection to them. Like, Via and I have such a strong connection. Like, I where she just knows what I'm thinking and can she'll just go start doing whatever and just knows where I want them or anything without me even telling her anything. Um, But then a lot of our Peruvians, they prefer males. Interesting. Because they they think that the males have more stamina and don't get tired as easily, which I could see because... The females are usually smaller, and they have their heat cycles that they have to deal with, which the guys don't like dealing with as well. Um, Yeah. So the guys prefer males, and then I prefer females, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To each their own, I guess. Yep. Um, You've told us a couple funny stories, but do you have another funny story about any of the dogs on your place. What is your favorite cut of meat and how do you like it cooked? Honestly, I love me lamb chops. Yeah. I think if I was dying, that would be what I would request for my last meal. Yeah. <laughs> chops and Dutch oven potatoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any specific type of animal, like a specific age of lamb or specific breed? So, I can't say that I've eaten many breeds or ages or anything because we just eat our own mm-hmm. lamb. But um, we, we usually butcher our lambs for ourselves when they're right around that yearling mark. Some of them are probably a little older than yearlings, and some of them are maybe a little under, but... Yeah, we usually eat them around that yearling mark, which I don't know. A lot of people say that the younger the better. They should be under a year, but I've never had bad lamb on the ranch. Um, We've had, or the guys, they have year to two to three to four to five, whatever year old mutton that they eat. And I eat lamb with those guys. About as much as I eat it at home, and I've never had bad lamb 
or I guess it wouldn't be called lamb at that point. <laughs> Never had bad mutton either. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mutton um, kind of gets gets a bad rap. Seems like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I've had not on my place, but I elsewhere. I've actually had a lamb roast that I did not like. Oh, really? And I don't know if it was how it was cooked, if it wasn't done enough. I don't know, but it just had a stronger flavor, which a lot of people don't like the stronger flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess maybe I don't either. Our sheep, our lamb, mutton, whatever, have a pretty mild flavor. And I've actually had people tell, tell me that they like our lamb a lot compared to other lamb they've had. Yeah. So I don't know why that is, why it's more mild, but, um, I mean, we have rambouille, and then a lot of the lamb we eat is mutt face, which is a rambouille ewe that was bred to a black-faced buck. Um, so okay. that's what we eat is rambouille and then those mutt face lambs. And, yeah, like I said, I've never had bad lamb off of our ranch when you guys are butchering lamb for yourselves is it coming off of where like what's what point in their life are they at are they coming off the mountain at that point or have they been down low so we um it's actually the bum the bum lambs from the year before that we butcher so they're born in may out on the range but then they are bummed for whatever reason, so then we raise them on the bottle, on grain, alfalfa, and we raise them that whole year, and then that next, we usually butcher in June, because that's the first opportunity we have to butcher, but we'll butcher them in June, and we've, we grain them all winter, and fatten them up, but, like, the lamb or mutton, I guess, that the sheep herders eat. It's bum lambs from the year before also, but they're just ran with the herd. Okay. Um, so then whenever they'll have five to seven mutton out with the herd, and then whenever they need some meat, they just go out and butcher it and have meat. And then, so yeah. They'll either be, so yeah, it's year-round with those, whether they're up in the mountains or down low, but they don't get grained like the ones at the ranch do. Okay. Have you noticed a difference between the ones that you've eaten up there versus the ones that you eat down on the ranch? Mm, No, not really. Not that I can say. Yeah. I know that you had a question on there that, oh, would you say these dogs make life harder, easier on the ranch? And I would say that a good dog makes your life extremely easier. Like, I can't even do anything, it seems like, without my dog. Yeah. But if a, but a bad dog will make your life hell. Yeah. I guarantee yeah because i i know from personal experience that a bad dog will ruin your day (laughs) the dog that has no control takes off after one sheep chases it for miles off where it's supposed to be or causes something to jump or causes my mom and uncle to cuss and yell (laughs) and yeah, it's not a great experience having bad dogs around, which we do. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> well, it sounds like you're no. trying to change that anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping to. <laughs> I know that it's a lot easier when you have good dogs around. <laughs> yeah. That's and don't awesome. get me wrong, the good dogs will mess up every now and then too and make you want to yell, but it's <laughs> a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More good days than bad. Yes. <laughs> yep, that's the goal. 
So if people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I actually just made a website that kind of talked about just sheep herding in general. I kind of want to just inform people on sheep ranching and what it's like out on a big sheep operation. Um, And then I also have my dogs on there. It kind of shows what they do. I have some videos on there and some upcoming pups out of Via and the guard dogs. Um, it's awesome. called a sheep herders story.com. Awesome. So they can just type that in and go to your website and learn more about what sheep camps look like and <laughs> what kind of dogs you have to offer. Yep. I have it all on there. That's and- awesome we'll be adding more because <laughs> it's very new. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have one more question. Are you having to train your parents on how to work their dogs? How does that work? Um, yeah, so <laughs> kind of interesting. My stepdad is like your old time child boys, like very old school how it was is how he does it he doesn't really train his dogs he just lets them work and teaches them to get back so it's actually funny because he's always had more of like a healer type dog that'll just work in behind and bite and be aggressive and whatever and get back yeah. Well, the pup he got out of Leah is not like that at yeah. all. <laughs> and um, that pup will actually Jim will like get out of the pickup or start out on the horse or whatever and there'll be some cows and that pup will go out and find a bunch of cows, clear out like Jim won't even be able to see this pup anymore and he'll go out and find a bunch of cows and kick them in the direction they're going or whatever, bring them back to him, whatever. And he's like, this is the best dog I've ever had. <laughs> he's only, this was only when he was six months old, too. And I'm like, you should let me train him for you. Like, teach him how to go those ways when you tell him to go those ways, not just letting him do it on his own, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. He, he and I are figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but, no, a six-month-old pup, you said it is the best dog he's ever had and he loves him and is impressed with him and so no that makes my heart super happy and then my mom I actually did take her pup and was training him he's a fitting image of Via in how he looks how he acts how he works everything so it's really cool he got the name Poncho for being (laughs) a fitting image of Via Poncho Via but uh (laughs) no I uh, trained him and I told my mom I was like mom if you tell him to sit, which is the down word I use, you have to make him sit. You can't just say sit at him and just not allow him to sit. She's like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm like, you have to make him do things. And my mom's not very good at that with her dogs. They just kind of do whatever, you know. So it is, I'm training the pups and my parents for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... It's cool. I hope that they turn out as helpful as their mother has. And it it makes a huge difference. I mean, we work alone 99.9% of the time. My mom works alone. Jim works alone. I work alone, you know. And having a dog that can help you is just its incredible. It makes your day a lot easier. Yeah, I bet. Thanks for giving me an hour of your day yeah no problem I know thanks that's for in a tough this time giving of year. Me an hour of your day <laughs> of course thank you so much for joining me for episode five of the taste of the wind podcast with marie mclaren of julian land and livestock i hope you have thoroughly enjoyed learning about working dogs of all sorts And I'm looking forward to the next podcast episode with you.
Um, one note I'd like to add is a reminder that you can head on over to Marie's website, asheepherdersstory.com, to check out her blog, photos, uh, terminology, and stories that she has from her lifestyle with her family. Um, I'd also like to announce we have some of these guard dogs that come from Lines. Uh, it's a mixture of Julian Land and Livestock livestock Guardian Dog Lines and Cat Herbicites Lines. Um, we just had a litter, so if you're looking for a good guard dog, we've got some of those available, and you can email me at bj at tasteofthewind.com if you're interested. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Have a great one. You, um, you actually have two batches of lambing seasons, right? Because you said you do like a shed lambing season and then a pasture lambing season. Yeah. So, yep, right now we're shed lambing our purebred and black-based bunches. So there's about 500 total of them. Okay. And then in May we start range lambing the rest of the 9,000. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> 9,000. Yeah, so we lamb from March till the end of May, and it just a lot by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <say> the least. <laughs> yeah. How how big is your crew for that? Um. So for shed lambing, it's me and three guys. Uh huh. That do everything, and then for range lambing, we have. a 18 to 20 men. So there's four guys with the two biggest herds, and then there's three guys with the other herds. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a couple hundred sheep, and... <laughs> yeah. So actually, what they do... There's one guy that stays with the drop herd, which is the main herd that hasn't lambed yet. Okay. One guy stays with them all day, every day. And, like, they ride through the bunch. They keep the bunch grazing where they're supposed to be grazing that day, take them to water. And then anything that lambs, they kind of leave behind as they're moving the herd. Okay. So the herd's kind of constantly moving, and then as they're moving, they just drop behind the ones that have lambed. And then um, the other two guys, they back ride all day. So then everything that has lambed up until that point, they ride back and check on them all okay. day. Wow. So is yeah. this all on private land, or is this happening on public land, too? No, all public. Wow. How's stuff going for you guys? Is, are you? Did you get yeah. snow with this last? We got. We just got hit by a couple storms. So. Um, we got some snow last night, but that's about the extent of it. It was. It was nice today. Um. So yeah, we actually got some snow on the desert. Thank God. Wow. So the sheep just rely on snow for water and we actually had to haul water early in the winter and um have been barely getting by and we just got a huge snowstorm down there and we're actually having to move on to where there's less snow now oh wow (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's pretty good wow well, good. I think we're kind of. I think we're in for a comeback march. I hope we're in for a comeback march. Because we yeah. it's been so dry everywhere. I mean, we're lucky here. We're not doing too bad, but yeah. Yeah, I was in. Well, I was in Nebraska this winter, mm-hmm. and there is like not a 
and there's not a stick of snow there at all. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, it, it was incredible getting back home. Like, it just felt so good. Like, I hit this end of the state, and I just, ugh, it just felt so good to be home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. At least you didn't come home like, oh, man, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I know. It. Yeah. Well, on my drive here, I was, like, dreading shed landing because shed landing is just so much work, and I just get so over it. But why is it? Why is it so much more work? Um, just because you're literally touching every you and lamb. Oh, really? Like, you, every single one of them goes through the jug into the mixing pen, into the next mixing pen, and it's just very work-intensive. Huh. Why Why do you guys have that group? Is that a different type of sheep? So, the purebreds, well... Purebreds and the black faces is where we get our bucks. We raise our bucks from these herds. So okay. we raise all our own bucks, and then the extras we sell. We have a few range operations around us, actually, that buy bucks from us every year, too. So so you just pick the the ones that you guys want and then you sell everything else as bucks or do you sell them do you band them no we uh we keep everything as bucks when they're born wow um yep and then we keep the ones we want and then we sell all the rest so with the range lambs do you band those right off the bat or do you keep those intact also Nope, we dock them. With, so we, when they're a couple, a few weeks old, we get all the bunches in, which are, at this point, they're in bunches of two to three hundred. We run them through the krill and we um, cut them. We don't band them. We okay. cut them and then, like, earmark, cut their tails, okay. chop, whatever. Yeah. Awesome. It's so crazy. I'm the last time I was on a big sheep ranch was when I was in Chile in South America. <laughs> and oh. so I I'm yeah, I don't know how people do it up here. It's I definitely oh, don't I do it down there. Um they had everything out on the they had big ranges. It's not I don't think they have the same public land situation that we have. And um, they brought everything in. We helped bring everything they had in. And then we worked everything they had on the home place. And then they sorted off hoggets. And then we banned it. Well, no, we didn't band. I can't remember how we castrated. They might have cut them. I can't remember now but we we had like a hot knife for the tails and then they had Mm -hmm. the earmarks for each side and they had like this long table with a bunch of rollers that we'd slide the lamb through for each yep like people that's what we used too okay it was pretty handy you could tell the sheep is pretty comfortable (laughs) in the it just like puts the pressure on their chest and they just like oh all right I'll stand. I'll stay still, and it worked. Yeah, good. but yeah, yeah. Back in the day, they used to just hold them all individually, and to cut them, or they would cut the sack with the knife, but then they would pull all the testicles out with their teeth. That's, all of them. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That would be exhausting. Yes, like your teeth would have to hurt. I would think so. (laughs) It's not easy to do that. (laughs) No. (laughs) You probably get sick of that taste after a while, too, I would think. But I don't know. Yeah, you would think. (laughs) I couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Have you guys ever had to do that? Um, I mean, back 
when my grandpa was starting out, that's how they did it. Um, And he he and my uncle would do it every, like, once a year or whatever to show the kids Uh how it used to be done or whatever, you know. But, (laughs) no, we use these plier-type things now to castrate them, and they have... Oh, I'll have to send you a picture. I think I have a picture of them because I've explained them to people so much. I've just taken a picture to where I can show people. <laughs> oh, yeah, they work way better than teeth. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, we get all the ewes in the corral, and then we sort them, sort the lambs in, let the ewes out, and then the lambs go down the rollers and back out. How long you is that? Come yeah, well, talking. what time of year is that? June. Okay. So that's pro- that's why you butcher then? Or they're different? Those are different lambs. Yep, those are the the lambs from the year before that we butcher. But okay. June is just the, just the first downtime that we have, or more downtime that we have to be able to take a day to butcher. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we're landing from March till May. <laughs> yeah, it's a good chunk of the year. Yeah. And yet, then if you're yeah. you're calving before then, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll start calving here. Um, we're actually hauling the cows home Sunday. We start calving in the middle of March. Where do you... So you do that on the ranch? So our cows are just up at where my uncle lives right now, because that's where we put up most of the hay. So we just winter them up there so we don't have to haul hay. And then we bring them to where my mom and I live, and we calve them out here. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You're just going to have to come one of these days so I can show you the geography of everything so you can put it all together. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome, because I've heard a lot about it. And I would, it would be cool to actually see it. I know. I have such a hard time when people are explaining stuff to me and I can't, like, picture it. You know, like, I have to, like, know the geography of what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to just wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'll, 